Welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Michael Dickerson L. Welcome to Solutions from the Yard with me, myself, and my three cohorts, Donnell Felter, Charles Hopkins, and Dietrich Trent, come up with solutions for returning and just evolving citizens. Today's show is on understanding trauma. And brothers, we're going to continue with our last podcast on how we define trauma and what are some of the triggers that, you know, that trigger us when we go through our states of trauma. Because, you know, we know trauma is something like that went on in our lives early in stages of our lives, whereas though either it's prison or when we was into the street life and, you know, sometimes we get shot, uh, stabbings in prison, things of that nature is traumatizing to us. And we just addressing that issue because that issue is something that that's very hidden in our society because us as a people, we go through so much trauma. We just write it off as everyday life. And, you know, this is something that we have to address and fix because that's one of the problems of us as a people in our society. And we're going to continue with, uh, you know, just discussing some of the triggers and things that, you know, bring us to this uh, symptoms of PTSD. Uh, Mr. Trent, how do you approach a person who has been traumatized? Uh, well, you approach them with cautions first and understanding and knowing that this individual this individual may be dealing with severe trauma and anything that you may do your any of your actions your words or your mannerism may trigger more trauma in this individual so if i can't speak on 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 on, on a medical point of view I only can speak on a point of view of being in prison and dealing with a lot of brothers me, myself first, that was dealing with trauma that was undiagnosed. So, and learning how to navigate around other brothers' trauma, because you knew some brothers go on the basketball court and just act a fool. He was dealing with trauma, and that was his way of letting his trauma out when he gets on the basketball court. He, but he off the, off the court, he was the most peacefulest dude in the world. That's right. You know, so... You got to learn how, so you get to learn how to navigate with, with individuals that's dealing with trauma. And when you approach these individuals, come with man with, with being humble and understanding and and being open to and knowing that uh, they suffering. Because hmm. um, you know, one of the uh, guiding principles to approaching a person uh, that uh, have situations of trauma is peer support, and that's some of the things you said because. You know, you got to utilize your lived experiences, you know, to help that brother cope with his trauma. And that's one of the main things, you know, about peer support. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to have more peer support and brothers and sisters that can recognize that form of trauma. Because you got to understand the actions of trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's all, you know, there's a cause and effect to everything. And once you are experienced in uh, recognizing what trauma is and the effects of it, you know, when a brother or sister is going through these things, we can, you know, we can see it. You can almost diagnose it right there on the spot. And that's one good thing about, you know, uh, peer support. 
you know, is having people that's experiencing that can recognize it when they see it. Mr. Felder, um, the same question. How do you approach a person who has been traumatized? Uh, I would approach them with extreme cautions and a sense of understanding, as Mr. Trent said, and remaining humble throughout the course of me approaching them and, and asking them, is he, is he okay? Do you need to talk about a few things, anything like that, you know? Because trauma come in, in, a, in a many ways, man, you know? And it was a situation one time upon when I was incarcerated. And, uh, you know, after we left Lawton and went to the federal, federal system, it was a whole lot of grouping up, you understand what I'm saying? You know, the way as though you know, they group up and get mm. with each other, different cities, and whatnot, and try to come to a solution to solve the problem that just occurred. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Even though you ain't had nothing to do with it. You know, if you're from that city, you're still liable to get taxed or, or, or anything, right? Bring, bring it to the situation. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? So it was a young kid who was uh, always concerned about, man, they're grouping up in the yard again. Man, I hope it don't go down. You know what I'm saying? And, and that, sense, that was a sense of him experiencing some type of stressful trauma you know, that he was dealing with because he, mm-hmm. he, didn't, he didn't want anything to jump off. Mm. You know, he's basically, you know, screaming and hollering, trying to try to hope, you know, praying that, man, I hope it don't go off, man, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and he, you know, after it didn't go off a few times when I, he was cool with it, you know what I'm saying? Right. But it still, I know it have an everlasting effect to on him right now, you know, to this day, wherever he's at, you know? But I just hope the brother's okay. Yeah. And so basically you had to uh, collaborate with other staff members to, uh, you know, as uh, far as like put y'all heads together to come up with a solution for the young brother? Uh, no, nah, not really, because he was already on medication and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, through the psychiatry department and whatnot, right? You know, I don't really know what the situation was all, you know, all the way and whatnot, but I know that he was having some type of problems. He'd take pills every day, you know, when the med, med car come around and stuff like that, right? You know, but he was, he was a humble individual. He was very focused and whatnot, but, you know, the little situation of him being in prison and whatnot and, and experiencing things like that, man, you know, when drama grade kick off, you know, it, it just taking te- taking effect of them, you know. Right. So, so you know, uh, basically, um, truth, trustworthiness, and uh, transparency was basically, you know, uh, one of the solutions that you had. You know, because you had to, uh, you know, this brother had to have some trust in you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing. You know, you had to gain his trust and just be transparent yourself, and you know, under, just have the understanding of that. Right. You know, I understand what you're going through, yeah. right. you know, because mm-hmm. I've been through this before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to have that transparency with the client, man, in, right. a, in order to, you know, like bring them down some. Right. And see, that's the whole thing. When we go through these type of uh, traumatizing episodes, you need somebody to, you know, bring you down, right. mm-hmm. you know, so you can kind of like calm down and visualize things from a better perspective. Because when that storm is rising in your head, it's hard for you to mm-hmm. see clear. So, you know, when you had that transparency, man, and that and that trustworthiness about you, then you can kind of like get the brother to calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hopkins, um, you know, how do you approach a person that's been traumatized? Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at everything everybody say, and, and that's an that's, uh, accurate way of, of approaching them. Always come out of a space where it, you couldn't rename the institution trauma, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Federal Bureau of Trauma, Division of Correction Trauma. Every institution had some form, shape, or fashion of trauma. And I remember when I was in Supermax, and the crazy part about this, these guys was in there, and they got locked up for a jailhouse murder. But they, what they did, they locked up everybody that was in the area. So they locked up 
seven dudes from Baltimore and seven dudes from D.C. A dude that they figured was a leader in D.C. and a dude that was a leader in Baltimore. I went to Supermax. When I got in Supermax, they had been there three years. Mm-hmm. And they was it was understood you cannot say nothing. Don't don't try to get no lawyer. This was what they the, the you know this was how they was pressing. Don't get no lawyer. Don't talk to nobody. Uh, when it come time, who gonna you know whoever gonna take the weight. So I remember one incident. We we was in Supermax and they normally left electricity on, you know, all night long. This one particular night, uh, whoever was in the control cut the electricity off at 12 o'clock, which is the procedure. Anything beyond that was what they was doing a favor. And a dude hollered, man, I, damn, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of always doing stuff. They always, and I'm, I'm listening to him. I'm saying like, you done been here three years and you ain't had no problem with none of this, but why all of a sudden this? Because the trauma. Mm-hmm. And, it, and he got to a point where he was, you know, just couldn't deal with it no more. But his image wouldn't let him commit suicide, the image wouldn't let him, you know, do nothing like that. But he, to lash out on somebody, he would do it. Mm-hmm. So it's been my experience that when I'm dealing with anybody, I, I, I go back to what you said earlier. I try to uh, create a sense of trust. And more, more and like Donnell say, people are going to come to you that they know you and they, got, they know your character. They say, okay, this guy got a good character. He's not going to exploit what's going on. Right. So because that's that's his safety. He recognized you from the job from the year child from the yard from the institution. And you might be doing a lot of crazy stuff, but he know this that this person right here don't take advantage of people. You know, this person right here hate vantage takers. Right. So it's courage to say that I can talk to him because of this person. That's a that's an unseen trust that goes on. But that's what I do. I try to establish uh, trust and I, and I also try to be transparent. I'm going to do the same thing. I ain't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to cut my wrist. I'm not going to put a rope around my neck. But don't, don't think I didn't think that. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? All right. Exactly, because it takes, um, you know, it takes collaboration and mutuality because everybody have to, you know, uh, play their role. Yeah. You know, like you said, man, they going to come get you because they know the role that you play in that prison setting and, um, you know, and providing certain type of, uh, a, a certain type of tenderness that you have to approach right, the person that's right, with, that's right. and you know that's the that's the thing. Like you said, man, you everybody know know you as kind of like as a good guy in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not one of the villains that uh, <laughs> you know that that everybody used to uh, like. Man, I'm stay away from this dude. You know, nobody want to be his friend. The only people that's his friend is the ones that's scared of him. Yeah, that's right. You know, but you know they come to you because you you know like you say they trustworthy and you're not going to try to exploit them in any type of way so they can open up to you. And that's that's a great uh, you know approach. You know, because everyone has to uh, be a part of this. Just like, you know, like when they say raising a child, it takes a, a village to raise a mm-hmm. child, you know, and because everybody's coming collectively with their own vision. Right. Um, all right, our next question is, uh, what are ways you can de-escalate trauma? Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Trent, how we, how we de- de-escalate trauma? Oh, de-escalate trauma. Now, no, so ways. So I'm speaking back in. in okay, and are we speaking as in when, when we are incarcerated or now? Because 
It's I too, mean, it's either or, you know, because I mean, de-escalating it, uh, it, it it's different ways, you know. Yes. You know, some and, okay. some of us, you know, like some people just out, man. You know what? I'm gonna go fishing this weekend. You know, just to, right. you know, just to get things off their mind. You know, and you know, but y'all brothers just talking about going to uh to uh you know um Dominican Republic and stuff like that. You know, that's one of the things taking a trip. Yes. Right. So <laughs> there's so many ways and elements now that we're supposed to being back in society to de-escalate self-trauma, right? Meaning, you know, trauma that we're dealing with ourselves, with ourselves. So, like you said, you know, being able to walk in and out of my door at night and just go outside in the, on the porch, man, helps me, mm-hmm. right? And people don't understand. Why you keep walking out of there? They don't understand. When they used to get ducked, all the doors are shut, right? So just be able to walk in out of the side of a door helps de-escalate some of my trauma at night, knowing I used to be trapped at night, you know? So not even knowing that why I kept doing it repeatedly, for real, I was suffering from trauma, That's right? right? And never then, and then I had to catch, I said, why is I doing this? So as I learned, as I said, oh, it's cool for me to go out there, just how how I utilize this time when I'm out there now, when I see I need to de-escalate myself, even if it's from other triggers, like Brother uh, Dickinson Neal spoke on, triggers of trauma. And it could be anything in the house, the way somebody left some toothpaste in the sink. I don't like it. <laughs> right? And, it, and you know how we is back yeah, in the day, yeah. man. That was, that was a form of, that's a sign of, oh, man, you try to curry me in the sale, right? <laughs> so... But I had to learn that when you got, you know, you got fat man, they drop a toothpaste in the sink is is a norm. Yeah. Right. And I used to go, man, what? And I'm gone. And it, and I had to learn, hey, man, it ain't even that serious. De-escalate this. Go ahead on, wipe it out. Go ahead on outside and sit on the porch. Right? So I'm learning how to de-escalate my own trauma. That's right. In ways and dealing with other, dealing with, um, Individuals that's, that I know that's facing trauma as well, uh, man, I try to give them encouraging words and, man, just give them, be, 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 be that, 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 that ear and don't say nothing, just listen to them, right? So that's my form of uh, being, helping others de-escalate their trauma and me mm-hmm. de-escalate mine. Exactly, you know, it's strange you say that because like a lot of stuff that is considered disrespectful in prison, you know, people in society they just just look at it like it's the norm. You know, I don't like walking in the house and there's dishes in the the sink and stuff like that. You know, and how I de-escalate that anger is I just say, man, you know what? The you know the best way to get something done is to do Do it it yourself, and I just go ahead and wash. Mr. Field, how you uh, 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 de-escalate, you know, uh, trauma? I think a de-escalation uh, process is a, is a process of ways, though, that you have to really uh, evaluate the individual that you're dealing with and know what, what type of trauma that they're going through, if, if that's appropriate, if you have the knowledge, you know, have the insight to get the knowledge of that individual mm-hmm. and what they're going through, right? You know, because it's a situation right now, what I'm going through, right, uh, the new job that I took on, the individual that I'm dealing with, I'm housing him. You know, I am a direct support special professional, right. right? And he doesn't speak. So I had to learn the sign language that 
occurs with him on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You get it right? Because if you're not, he going to let you know it. You understand what I'm saying? You you de-escalating him to because he's already hyper, right? Mm. You know, you don't you know he's smart too. He's twenty eight years old, right? He 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 can understand what you're saying, but he can't talk back to you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a system in place around the area where we work at, right? Like I said, we got the sign language you got to use with him. You know, we take him into his activities, we take him on outings. You know, because mm-hmm. he he's real hyper. So say like we were taking we take him to we took him to Carter Baron Park on my first day at work, man, and. It was three of us. They, I was shadowing. The other, the other guy was a primary. The other one was a secondary. And I was the other secondary. So the primary got him walking up front with him. So he having to peep over there and see the lady and the kids playing. Don't you know he shot and got away from all three of us, man? He went over there and grabbed that lady on her arm. But he, it was hype. He was hype. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. That's how he is. So, but we were supposed to be able to, to block him and prevent him from going over there. Because, you know, we know his situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how he do. You know, but this is my first day on the job. You know, I didn't know, so I went on, I was the first one over there to him. He had to lay the hand, and she like, I said, ma'am, he got a problem, you know. So, grabbed him and took his arm up off of him. And then the other guy, the primary, he grabbed him and forcefully, he grabbed him forcefully and pushed him towards the bench. And I'm like, I'm saying to myself, is that the way he's supposed to handle a kid with autism? You know, right. have a situation? Because he, he grabbed him and, and pushed him all the way back and then kind of find out. The other co-worker ended up screaming on him mm-hmm. and said he was treating the dude abusive, like, right. and he just lost his job. You know what I'm saying? So you got to learn how to de-escalate situations, you know, as it occurred, and you know the, per- know the person, individual, you know, escalation process. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Mr. Hopkins, how you uh hand you know handle that then de-escalating trauma? You know, either with yourself or others. And you know what? I, I sit back and I think about it. From in the context of uh, myself and uh, and my uh, my own personal experience, when six months after I was out, my sister who's bipolar, and she had you know won't accept the diagnosis. Uh, Mother's Day and all the, all the, we on the uh, Zoom with all my other sisters and they drink and they you know they doing what they do. They being happy mothers. She don't drink and she don't you know do these things. And so they they in their zone. I'm doing I'm I'm. Got all these baby pictures of them. I'm putting them up on the Zoom. So say, remember this one right here? So I go downstairs and I fix I fix my salad. I'm taking it back upstairs. She said, Where you going? I tell I'm going to uh I'm going back upstairs and finish watching Zoom. I'm, I'm watching the room. She say, Oh no, you can't take that. I say, I can't eat the room. She say, It's like this. You gotta go. I mean like a book, whole different personality. You gotta go. Then then she then she went into the thing of her like if you do anything to me, I'm gonna call the police. So now, I'm I'm I got trauma, cause I'm thinking like, okay, I see that she's in that state of mind that any minute she gonna push nine one one. I already see this and come, I see it. So and I'm trying to like tell her like, look, you know, every time I say something to her, she like getting more and more hyper. I said, well, look, I said, look, I'm not trying to talk. I, I said, I you know, just understand if I leave. I'm on parole. You know these people gonna lock me back up. Mm. But what I did, I got one of my sisters to call her and say, "Look, just chill her out for a minute while I try to get myself together." But in that, in my state of mind, I was like, "If she grabbed that phone, I'm gonna throw it through the window because mm. I already know I'm going back to jail and I ain't did nothing." But I had, I had to tell myself that, "Nah, that ain't, this ain't, you know, this ain't worth it." She, she, you know, she just got issues. Cause it ain't got nothing to do with the way she treated me since I've been out. 
But for her, she every day we got up every day, and we went everywhere to get everything I need to get done. She and without no problem, went all the way to Baltimore to get some paperwork. So I knew I knew she had issues, but the way I deal with it is, I try first off, I try to look at myself and see if it's something going on with me, that that you know I'm I'm, lo- I'm not looking at the bigger picture. Something you know, that like, you might be doing yeah, to trigger Yeah, right, 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 right. And, I, and unbeknownst to me. You know what I'm saying? Unbeknownst to me. Like, she said, I left the stove on. I might have. You know, I'm, She said, you left the stove on. Okay, I might have. But I'm saying, like, tell me, get me at that point. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. And sometimes I might forget, right? And so that's how I, I got to always look at me first. Because of the experience I come out of. Just like Deidre was saying, I'm, I'm in on this point. Just like Deidre was saying, like, the toothpaste and the zinc. Mm-hmm. We don't, it, it, it's not a matter of that being, it's a matter of like, in our mind, in the cell, you disrespecting me because you don't, you wipe the toilet, you clean up behind yourself, you know, you don't lay in that bed, you don't, you know, so everything is already established that these are the don'ts that everybody understands. Right. So if I see you doing the don't, that means you saying that, you, in my mind, it might not have nothing to do with nothing. In my mind, you curing me. Mm. Yeah, because that's that's extremely important. Like you say, you keep the focus on yourself, you know, and, and not try to always constantly point the finger and blame another person because it can be your actions that's triggering it. And, you you know, like you say, you just don't know that you triggered mm-hmm. it. You know, and, and that's the thing about when you uh, learn how to understand trauma and when you're around a traumatized person, you got to really understand that What's the triggers? Mm. See, that's the important thing, knowing what their triggers are so you can avoid those mm. things. Certain topics you don't talk about. If you know if a person been traumatized, their mother passed, make sure you don't mention nothing about it. Or if you do, make sure it's in a subtle way where as though it don't trigger them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the thing, you know, and, and learning their hobbies, learning the things that they do like doing. Mm-hmm. Because once you learn, uh, you know, a person's... Uh, their pastimes and stuff like that, things that they like to do, you know, mention that to them. Say, hey, man, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's go to the museum. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you, you like going down those type places. You know, learn how to de-escalate it by, you know, using something that they like doing. It's, a, you know, like a pastime or a hobby. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's very important to, to recognize that those things. Study them individuals and also study yourself. Um, And the last question is, uh, what are some tips for preventing re-traumatization? What are those tips, you know? Because, you know, there's certain tips that you have to understand to keep from going back there. And the only way you can do that is to really understand what trauma comes from, what are the triggers, you know, how to de-escalate it. And, uh, you know, that way you can come up with a solution or a pattern to keep mm. it from happening again. So, uh, Mr. Trent, uh, uh, what's some of the ways that, you know, you you could think of that, it, you know, keep a person from going through that same experience? You know, it always falls back on self because I feel that you got to study self first to know what are your triggers and what is your trauma that you may face mm-hmm. or, or that could have escalate you in life. So when it comes to me, I make sure I control, it may sound crazy, but I make sure I control my my environment where I'm at, right? 
I make sure that I have control of my journey because then I know what I'm expecting as I go. Right. And meaning like, I don't, I don't put myself around certain energy in life that I know that's going to trigger me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I control that. I, so it's and once I learned that, then I say, man, you know, you got this this part of my growth that I know certain things that used to excite me don't don't excite me no more. So, but it could bring back a certain type of trauma. So I make sure I stay away from certain things and and make sure that I learn myself and grow every day. And that's just yeah, just man, learning my, just learning yourself, and that's some of the tips I could give others. The best tip I could give anyone is. Learn yourself and learn once you may uh experience some type of trauma, understanding where it came from, identify it, and grow from it. Mm. Yeah, uh, because you know, um some of the tips to to prevent it is, you know, creating a mindset of not reminding the person of the damage that the trauma done mm-hmm. or reminding them of, you know, them being a victim. You know, try to empower them and say, you know, you a survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 made it this far through mm-hmm. this situation. You know, look where you was back then when that situation happened, and look where you at right now. Mm-hmm. And see, that encourages a different mindset that you can get through this. You can pass over, you know, whatever traumatized you, and get back to a safe space where though you're not revisiting it. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you when you tell a person, oh, you a victim, you know, you. You, you know, you making a sob story of mm. them. Then now you just want to create a mindset where shoot, everybody got to kiss my hind parts because I've been traumatized. <laughs> so now, whenever you you know you feel like you you out of pocket, well, you know my mother died. Yeah. You know you want to use that as your your safe haven to act a fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you 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 want to you want to uh, uh, encourage a person to say, man, look, man, it's better days. You know, and, and you know, if the if person mother passed, say, man, look, your mother looking down on you and she want to see you doing right. Because mm-hmm. she don't want to go to her grave worrying about her child. Yeah. You know, so say, man, try to do the best thing in life, man, so your mother be proud of you. You know, Mr. Felder, uh, uh, you know, what what are some tips that you um can use to prevent uh, re-traumatization? I'm going to say this, right? You're going to need a lot of them, you hear me? <laughs> going through what I went through, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm still traumatized. Thirty years being incarcerated, man, with your freedom taken away from you, man. It's it's a whole lot that you got, you know. So so you know during the time that I was incarcerated, right, the way that I should just like uh, get by, you know, and, and embrace myself, right. I like to play basketball, right, mm. and you know I love it. You know what I'm saying. So that gets me all the way away from the trigger situation, right? You, know, right. you don't never be involved with anything. You understand what I'm saying? So when I'm in that, I'm in my zone. I'm feeling good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a, a little true happiness, you know, right. which a lot of true happiness, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> to help ease the mind, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, and, and, and stay away from things that don't mean you no good. You know what I'm saying? And uh, like like I say, like I say, one, one of the ways I used to do it, I used to go play basketball, man. And, and, and it, it soothes me. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and then put the true happiness on top of it and then, 
you know everything yeah. everything just fall right into place, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I, I remember I remember them days where the, where, where you had the, uh, the old heads uh, yeah. playing uh, oh, basketball yeah. against the youngins. Mm-hmm. You know, it was early Saturday in the morning time. In the morning, you know, yeah. all the old heads play. You know, uh, mm-hmm. play the youngins in basketball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it, it's a great way to de-escalate. It, it, you know, and is. put you in the space of happiness, man. Because mm-hmm. when you going through so much in prison. And all the stress and, and trauma that you experience, you know, uh, you know, the staff always just leaning on you and stuff like that. It's good just to to um go out and just have some good old plain fun, mm-hmm. you know, and then it'll put you back in that 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 safe space, put you back in that state of like you know joy, mm-hmm. and that's that's important. You know, cause 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 you know being being incarcerated, man. You know, you feel you know some people feel like you know it's over with, man. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You don't have nothing else coming, man. You know, so you're just trying to get by, you know, and hopefully and be praying, man, that you you know, one day you're gonna make it about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So 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 the thing the thing to do is, you know, try to occupy yourself. Even yeah. though you know you might be traumatized, but you gotta have some type of solution, you know, some type of other avenue to get to. Like go read your book or something, you know, or anything, you know what I'm saying? Or right. play some solitary with the cars. You know what I'm saying? And and just, just get over, you know, 'cause I remember many times when I used to, I, I end up in the hole a few times. Right. I had a deck of cars, you know. And I played them Jones to the, to the to the numbers ran off the, the letters <laughs> ran off the car, you know. But it sued me, you know what I'm saying? Right, you know? right. Because being in an eight by ten like that, twenty four to one, man, that's a lot of trauma, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a lot of it, man. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be, you you, you got to be all the way finding ways, man, to, to de-escalate that trigger while you're right. in, that, in that thing like that. Then you might have a cellmate and somebody in there with you, in in the twenty four to one, and man, man, look, if that ain't trauma, man. I don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you, you got to definitely find your happiness. Right. You know what I'm saying? Really and that's do. the most important thing mm-hmm. is, is you know, finding your happiness. So when you feel something coming on, you know, do something that you know that's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, de-escalate by getting away from that situation that's triggering you and then, you know, get into some type of, uh, 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 you know, like I say, safe space where though you can do something to, to bring you back down and put you back in that good space. You know, uh, Mr. Mr. Hopkins, uh, uh, what's some uh, prevention ways that you know that you can think of? Yeah, man. For me, I, I was like a constant. I was a constant exerciser, so I definitely mm-hmm. worked out a lot. Right. Uh, and you know, when when I was like when I was in Supermax, we it's only twelve. It's only six of us on the pod. Donnell talking about 20, 24, I mean twenty three and one. You on twenty three and one, and uh, you might come out of the aisle. So everything was, and then you, everything, everybody's trauma is heightened. So you gotta find, so you find things like, I used to do, I was real regiment. I would get up in the morning, me and the guy study Spanish outside the door. We would do that for like a couple of hours. Then I had, went from there, I would exercise from there. I had a study period. And I always had that kind of state of mind, but more importantly, I recognized, I recognized, you know, I had been did the introspection. So I started recognizing what goes on with me mm. that gonna make me do something I don't want to do or to make me act out. Right. And then once I seen, once I seen them, and mind you, now it took a minute to get there, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't relapsed and you know <laughs> I didn't did a whole lot of crazy right, stuff, right? right? Doing you know saying trying to get there, but once I got there, I realized, oh, I'm gonna act out. You know, this ain't right. and and what the, what's the solution to that? You know, even walk the yard. Exercise, and when I got out, that's what I did. I walked every day, and I walked alone. I walked a, a, about eight miles mm-hmm. every day. When I got out, 
And my, and my family was like, man, you were walking somebody. And I was in a meeting one day, and the dude said, I was telling him, I said, yeah. Man, as long as we've been locked up, say, walking is like, it's, it's peaceful. You know, you get to, you know, you be looking at where other people might not see, look at a tree. <laughs> you looking at the tree like, oh, that's a nice tree. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I get rid of Yeah, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the tips it says you got to debrief yourself. Mm-hmm. And see, mm-hmm. when you, you know, you debrief yourself, you, we know what debriefing is, you know, a series of questions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what sometimes you have to do to yourself, man. You got to ask yourself certain questions so you can recognize the patterns and the triggers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. once you recognize the patterns and the triggers, then you have a, 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 a means of preventing it from reoccurring again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like saying, like, uh, if, if I say, this guy right here rubs me the wrong way. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if I don't want to get in my feelings, make sure I stay away from him. He in this TV room watching the game. I'm going to go see if they got the game on this other TV <laughs> yeah. room because I'm going to stay away from him because I don't want that that reoccurring type of situation to come back up. And that's when, you, you know, that's when you really like you like a, a couple of brothers mentioned about knowing yourself. See, you got to really know yourself to debrief yourself. You know, know the things that you like, know the things that you dislike, know the things that make you angry, know the things that make you happy. You know, and once you learn how to debrief yourself, now you have a a resolution that, you know, you can always return to when these type of feelings start to occur. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the most important thing, man, is, uh, you know, recognizing the triggers, recognizing the patterns, you know. And knowing that this is what I have to do to avoid it. You know, this is what I have to do to make it better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you have to debrief yourself, man, and just really, um, you know, get to know yourself. You know, that's very important, man. Like, you know, like the brother uh, Trent was saying, um, you know, sometime, man, you know, you got to step out on the balcony by yourself and just look at, you know, look at things from a retrospect and say, man, you know, yeah. This, this, you know, I, I don't like this, but this is how I have to deal with this. You know, talk to yourself and, and, and just get into your, get into a good happy space where though you can de-escalate it and say, man, you know what? This is how I have to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because ultimately I will lose if I act out. Like you, you know, like the situation with your sister. You say, man, you know what? If I allow her to call nine one one. I, I, I just did 48 years in prison and, you know, and I'm not trying to go back. So then that's why you have to learn how to say, you know what, let me let me pull back and see what I'm doing to trigger it so this won't happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the importance of, man, uh, just really just looking at yourself, man, and learning your triggers, learning other people's triggers and just learning how to de-escalate a situation because really it's just a life experience. You know, and you know, it's the saying: what was done in science must be undone in science. And you know, the, you know, science is the study and the observation of. So therefore, you know, whatever was done in a scientific way, we got to go back and study and say, man, you know what? This how I can undo this. And that's one of the most important things about, uh, you know, trauma. You know, you got to really recognize it, study it, and then that way you can come up with a solution. Because once we can identify the problem. And therefore, you can come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to just thank you, brothers, for, uh, you know, having a, a beautiful show, man, because this is something that's very needed in our society. And for us to get our households back together and get our societies back together. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, I you know, I just love this conversation, man. And one day, man, we might have to revisit this, you know, in a you know, for this is the uh, you know, the ending of this episode of um, you know, Solutions from the Yard. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.